You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I feel like what I'm supposed to do is do as deep a dive on our two first-round picks as I possibly can, but I'm not going to do that. We've got uh, a lot of time to go over these prospects and over and over and over them, and there's a lot of things to talk about today. Um... The prospects are one of those things. Um, I want to look very briefly, well, <laughs> that doesn't exist with me, but I guess somewhat briefly at uh, the just kind of an overview of round one, and then I guess sort of look at today and the, the draft that's happening today. That's the agenda as I currently have it in my head. Thank you guys so much for everybody that tuned into the live stream last night. I am going to be doing another live stream tonight. I am not planning on doing one for day three of the draft, though. Not only is it not really going to work as far as the schedule for my family, but it's it's just kind of a lot. It was it was hard enough making it through um, round one, which is about as exciting as it gets for the draft. Day three, when I don't even know half of these prospects other than their name, and uh, trying to keep my own interest as well as everybody else's is just I don't think it's going to be just not not going to make for good TV. But thanks a lot. Be sure to get into the Facebook group if you want to tune into uh, the second stream because we're going live. Otherwise, I also unveiled yesterday in the group that we've got a little bit of uh, merch now. Got some merchandise. So I'll be putting a link in the description if you want to just go take a look at it. Otherwise, in the Facebook group, uh, I created a folder. You can see what the t-shirts and stuff look like. There's t-shirts, long sleeve, short sleeve, hoodies, and um, can cooler holder things. The koozies, you know what they are. But you should at least take a look because they look pretty awesome. Otherwise, just so you know, this is officially episode 400. So I'm going to bug you one last time for that $4 donation. The uh, link again for PayPal and Venmo is in the description. Thank you so much for everybody that has donated to that. Um, It seems kind of silly and insignificant, but it's a pretty big milestone for me. So um, I like it. It, it, It's appreciated very, very much. Otherwise, any questions, any thoughts, 608-501-0718. I'll try to uh, squeeze it in. But uh, we'll take a little break and we'll start talking about the massive amount of things that are happening right now. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I guess I want to start with, um, let's start with an overview 
partially because I just want to brag because I, I hit on a couple of these, but uh, let's just kind of look at it. It's also going to spill over into what it means for tomorrow, right? You know, we got to know what happened today to figure out what's going on tomorrow. So obviously things started pretty boring. My prediction pick was the Arizona Cardinals take Kyler Murray, and they did. 49ers take Bosa, and they did. Not going to talk anymore about that. Number three, now if, if I combine my dueling mocks, I got a lot correct here, because I predicted they would take Josh Allen, but I said the right thing to do would be to take Quinn and Williams, and they did take Quinn and Williams. I think that was the smart pick, and they made the smart pick. Number four is the pick that nobody got. I would love to find the person outside of uh, you know the Raiders draft room that knew that Cleveland was going to be taking uh, or going to the Oakland Raiders. The, the crazy thing about it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be sort of the theme of this podcast and probably a theme for quite a while, but it's really that I don't know that that's a bad pick. I think it's a bad pick because I wasn't super high on him, and I didn't know a lot of people that were all that high on him, although, well, let's put it this way. Cleveland Furl was like the third best guy on everybody's board up through, I don't know, November, December. Then he slowly started to creep his way down, and he made it down to what, like 15-ish? But that's with the assumption, I mean, you look at it and you say, well, the Detroit Lions possibly could have taken Furl. But with all of these guys, there's a lot of upside. But, you know, there's always something that's wrong. The reason Quinnen and Bosa are so high is because you just can't find the flaws. Cleveland has super high upside, just like everybody else. But I think a lot of people just looked at a lot of the negatives and were just like, eh, he's not that good. But with a lot of these picks, you can make fun of it, especially Cleveland Furl. But also, if he's a stud, I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to be like, wow, nobody saw that coming. Because we would have been saying it's possibly it's a stud if he went at 15. The Raiders just are really high on him. And, you know, again, I want to go through this list first, but let's face it, that's basically what we're talking about with Rashawn Gary. And to a lesser extent, that's what we're talking about with Darnell Savage. So huge theme with this entire draft class. You go through this list and it's all super high upside. I mean, guys that have the potential to be top 10, top 5 in their respective positions, but also guys that could just be complete busts. And I don't think too many people would be super surprised with either scenario. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Devin White. Very, very popular pick. I didn't have it with either of my picks. Uh, One, I wanted them to take an offensive lineman. That was my long shot prediction that did not come true. And then with what I would have done, I didn't take Devin White because I just felt it was too high. But again, same exact situation. If he can reach his ceiling, it's not a bad pick. Uh, Giants taking Daniel Jones. That was my prediction pick. I kind of want to say it was a long shot pick, but it kind of was, kind of wasn't. Toward the end there, it was kind of narrowing down. Even in my description, I had said... You know, I called it a bold position, position p- prediction, and I said the consensus seems to be Dwayne Haskins, including I just read Matt Miller stated that the Giants really like him. So it felt like a bold prediction, especially with a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people saying Daniel Jones should not be a first-round pick. So I'm comfortable saying that was a long shot. I took a shot, and I, I nailed it. As far as do I like the pick, I don't know. I know a lot of people are upset. I, I haven't, I've been so immersed in the Packers stuff, I've been having a hard time. I just hear little rumblings, and something about Eli playing for three more years and that Francesa guy is losing his mind right now. I don't know what exactly is going on, but, I mean, all Daniel Jones has to do is play and be good, and it's not a problem. Uh, Josh Allen to the Jaguars, I did not pick. However, I did tell you guys that Josh Allen might fall. Now, maybe you don't want to consider seven a fall, but for a guy that was a lock number three, making it to seven, and, and what I had said is maybe he would slide far enough to where the Packers could get him, maybe even down to, like, the eight kind of territory and he made it to seven so as much as I don't necessarily understand the Jaguars pick other than best player available I don't think it's a great scheme fit 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and call that a win that Josh Allen fell. T.J. Hawkinson to the Lions. Uh, I didn't have that as either of my picks, but I think that was a fairly well established possibility um, between linebacker, tight end, and edge rusher. Uh, that was that was pretty well established. So, you know, I don't I don't know. It, it could be a very very good pick. I hope it's Ebron 2.0. He's a good football player. He's gonna be able to help the run uh, with their uh, their brand spanking new and talented running back. He's gonna be able to help the passing game. So not super thrilled about it, but I still feel like the Lions are. It wasn't like a, oh no, like I'm terrified kind of pick. However, as I look at our team, I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, who's the guy that's going to take on Hawkinson? I suppose it's Josh Jones, but I don't know how much I like that. So, you know, that that's sort of one of those day two and three kind of things. What can't this team do? I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, maybe Amos could do it. Or Savage. I don't know. I'm just saying. That would be my only concern, but I'm not overly worried about it. Bills took out Oliver. I think that was a, a smart pick. It was a good fit for their team. They could use another defensive tackle. Uh, the only problem I had is that they needed to go offense. They need some offensive help, but they just took the best player and a great fit. Um, I didn't mock that to them. However, I did have Rashawn Gary going to the Buffalo Bills. The reason I point that out is because, you know, you know, Gary is like a lot of other guys. I had assumed he was going to fall, but he's got so much upside. Uh, you know, even what I wrote here, you look at guys like Ed Oliver, DK Metcalf, all these guys that we assume that they're going to go relatively early. And we assume it because we know they have crazy upside despite not having the greatest production. Well, Kyler Murray had pretty good production, but it was, it was more, more than likely just about his, his crazy upside and potential. Rashawn Gary really isn't that different. So I had him going to 9, so I, of all people, cannot complain about him going 12 to the Packers. Especially since, and we might as well talk about it, I had said before, when we, this must have been like a month ago, apparently, because it was when we went through free agency and we got both of the Smiths, Preston and Zadarius Smith. As soon as we got those guys, it became clear to me, Rashawn Gary, is, man, I, I need to go back and find the uh, the podcast, because I, I guarantee I said Rashawn Gary actually makes a lot of sense. Because I put those two things together. Well, three things. One, we are obsessed with edge rushers. And by we, I mean Gutekunst. Number two, Rashawn Gary actually fits the prototype better than guys like Brian Burns. Everybody we've been getting, they're not the Brian Burns and Josh Allen types. They're the Rashawn Gary types. They're the bigger Nick Perry kind of build guys. You know, Preston, Zedarius, and Perry, they're all these much bigger 270, 280-pound guys, just monsters. And then the third criteria, or the third thing, is I, I had mentioned several times about the Michigan thing, where, where Gutekunst himself went to Michigan, and I just really felt like something was going to come out of that. I was leaning toward Devin Bush. I was also saying maybe Chase Winovich was another possible guy they were looking at, but I said it's not going to be Rashawn Gary. He doesn't fit. But again, when we went out and got Zadarius Smith, it's like, uh, I guess we need to look seriously at Rashawn Gary, because I feel like that's the kind of guy they like. So there's that. Pick 10, uh, Denver traded out of the spot, so obviously I didn't get that right. But as soon as Pittsburgh went up, you can see it on the stream, I said it's going to be Devin Bush. It has to be Devin Bush. And it seems like a kind of a crazy thing to go up that high, but the Bengals were almost absolutely going to be taken down. I mean, it, I, I had said that offensive line makes the most sense for the Bengals, but it, outside of me saying it, everybody's saying they need linebacker. So the Steelers probably knew he wasn't going to, they weren't, he was not going to make it past the Bengals. And then if he did, he wasn't going to make it past the Packers. So it's it's a, it's a real gauntlet that they have to get up and in front of it. It's a heavy price to pay for a linebacker, but uh, absolutely perfect fit for the Steelers. Bengals did take Jonah Williams. I'm shocked that it was neither of my mock picks because I've been saying they need offensive line since forever. But in my prediction pick, they had uh, Haskins fall, and I just said there's no way that you can not take him, which they disagreed. 
And then in my other one, Devin Bush was available, and I took him. And I, I tend to think if Devin Bush fell one more spot, they would have taken him. Packers then at 12 it with Rashawn Gary. Obviously, I didn't expect that. But as I said, it, it really does make a lot of sense. It's just a matter of buy-in. And I think the biggest problem is a lot of Packer fans just don't buy in. And that's fine. But here's sort of the situation. And here's the way I'm trying to look at it. This entire process is me and you and a bunch of other people, some people more adept at this, more experienced than others, but we're, what we're doing is we're essentially playing GM. It's like fantasy football for the offseason. It's fun, and that's fine to have fun, but we don't want to buy into our own silly game too much. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is figure out what exactly the right thing to do is, which, which really just culminates into what exactly do these GMs want to do. And it's funny because we listen to experts and we, we, we help form our own opinions based on experts. But the experts aren't really experts. The experts are guys that are way below what the GMs are. And even these people who are like hearing, you know, you know, we listen to Ian Rappaport and Brett Coleman on YouTube and, and the guys at the Draft Network. And these are the guys that help us form our opinion that tells us that the GM of the Green Bay Packers is wrong, which is so backwards because Ian Rappaport, all he's trying to do is get information from from these GMs, guys like Brett Coleman just want to be, you know, Brian Gutekunst. The guys at the Draft Network want to be scouts, the, but none of them are at that level, and I'm not trying to be disparaging. I know the work that goes into this stuff, and it's incredible the amount of work and insights that these guys have, but they're still a notch below the entire staff of the Green Bay Packers who came to this conclusion. So it's fine disagreeing, and I, I went back, and I have, I have learned to love the pick for Rashawn Gary. I'm still very skeptical, but that's fine. We should be somewhat skeptical. And, you know, if I were to go back, would, would I have changed my mind and taken Rashawn Gary? No, I probably still would have tried to trade back, although that's not a guarantee. And if you listen to what Gutekunst said, they were fielding offers. They said they were very willing to move back. We had several guys that we were interested in, but the offers were garbage. So it's like, well, we're not going to move back and just take garbage offers, so we have to pick somebody. So they took the guy at the top of their board, and that was Rashawn Gary. And what we have to do, well, we don't have to. You can do whatever you want. But what makes the most sense to me is to trust their evaluation over mine. And I think that's the most sensible thing for any of us to do. Not that we have to forfeit our own understanding and, and all this stuff. Stand by your convictions, that's fine. But uh, you know the difference. right? If you say, I wouldn't have made this pick and here are my concerns, but I absolutely wish him the best. And, and obviously, you know, I, I trust Brian Gutekunst's evaluation and all that stuff. That's fine. But I'm, I'm going to stand over here with my skepticism because I'm just not really sold on it. And we'll see what happens. And use it almost as a learning tool because if he does pan out, the goal then is to go back and say, how did I get this so wrong? What was I missing? That's a good thing. But if you're coming out on Twitter and, and everything else and you're swearing and screaming at people and acting like a psychopath, you're doing this really wrong. You are way out of control, and you got to just calm it down because that, that, that's just silly, man. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm not super happy to see that Rashawn Gary's out there bla blocking people. I think that's that's petty, and I mean, first of all, I don't think he's the one actually doing it. I'm guessing he has somebody helping manage his Twitter because it's been upwards of like a thousand people. I can't imagine he's spending all his time on Twitter. He's got a lot of stuff to do, interviews, and fly. He's on flights doing all this other stuff, and. I can't imagine that's how he's spending his time. But still, as much as I don't like it, the fact that there's X amount of people that are blocked because they just said the most crazy stuff. Not everybody said super crazy stuff, but still, like, come on, man, relax. It's fine to state your case against it, but just, you know the difference. Don't act like you don't know the difference. Between having a measured negative response, such as, here are my concerns, because I have a lot of them as well, and just launching into a tirade, like a 
four-year-old, we, we got to find a better way. And look, I, you know, part of the reason I didn't completely lose it yesterday at this pick, because this, this was for me. This was one of the few that was like, I, just not this one. Right? It, I mean, it could have been Jonah. It could have been, I mean, Jonah was gone. But if, if it was Oliver, Devin Bush, Jonah Williams, Christian Wilkins, Chris Lindstrom, Brian Burns, um, just kind of basically going through the list, the only people I skipped over were Dwayne Haskins and Dexter Lawrence. I think it would have been a little bit too early. I mean, I, I don't think I would have, it, it was just one of those, just not Rashawn. But that that's, again, that's my evaluation. But the biggest reason I didn't want to have a negative reaction is because I've been, I've been a fan of this team long enough to know to try to bite my tongue, right? When we won the Super Bowl in 2010, I had counted the team out. When Aaron Rodgers said we're going to run the table, I, bl- I brushed it off like you're out of your mind, this team is garbage. I'm glad I didn't have a podcast back in those days. Kenny Clark is another pick that was just like, who, who is Kenny Clark? Are you out? Ted, I'm going to smack you. It was, it was just disappointment. There was linebackers that I liked. There were all these guys that I got all hyped up about because I watched a bunch of highlight videos, and the, this guy really hits hard, and you know how I am about linebackers and whatnot. And they take Kenny Clark, and it's like, I've, I don't even know who that is. What are you doing? And I went and watched him, and, and I'll be completely honest, when I watched... Kenny Clark, it was similar to what I see in Rashawn Gary. Not obviously very different stylistic kind of thing, but it was he did really, really impressive things, but he just couldn't finish. He was like, Whoa, that was crazy what you did to the guy in front of you, but I mean, why didn't you tackle the guy or you know, whatever? But it was those raw athletic tools that were able to be developed and actually relatively quickly. Right? His rookie year he didn't start very quickly and he didn't do very much in those first few games and then it was halfway through all of a sudden he's playing a little bit more toward the end of the season he was like the third highest guy and then by the time we got into the playoffs he was the number two next to Mike Daniels and it was like whoa this guy's like almost up as good as Mike Daniels can you believe that and then it was by next year he was the best defensive lineman that we had he had surpassed Mike Daniels by the start of the his second season and he's a guy that was seen as a reach at pick 30 or whatever it was a guy that had some cool tools, but not a huge amount of production. The, the point that I'm getting at here is just relax. Because I don't want, I'm, I'm, again, I'm glad I didn't have a podcast, because I don't want somebody dragging out a sound clip of me screaming about, who is Kenny Clark? This was a terrible tip pick. What is wrong with Ted Thompson? Just like I'm glad I didn't have a podcast saying Devontae Adams is trash. Just like I'm glad I, I'm, I didn't have a podcast when I said the Packers are, are garbage right before we won a Super Bowl. Or what's the point? Let's just tank. We're never going to get into the playoffs anyways. Stop winning football games and then we win a Super Bowl. I don't want to be that guy because then when I have to celebrate later, there's always going to be that little voice in the back of my head going, yeah, but remember when you said he was garbage? Remember when you hated this pick? And a guy with the amount of athleticism of Rashawn Gary and to have the kind of excitement that Brian Gutekunst and this defense has and to, to, for them to talk about what a fantastic fit and a great piece he's going to be to really round out and complete this Mike Pettin defense and for us to have the gall to say that I'm going to sit here and scream and shout how terrible this is to have that kind of confidence in my own assessment knowing the Green Bay Packers better than the coaches knowing the the Green Bay Packers and these players and these guys better than Brian Gutekunst and his entire staff who have been to his practices watching this guy play they said they've been in on him since February but they said they knew about him coming out of high school they've been locked into him they've been watching him in high school they watched him in college every single year every single game they've been having conversations about how great he is and now they have an opportunity to get one of the freakiest defensive players ever, and we get guys like me and like you who are going, oh, Rashawn Gary, because I watched those two games on YouTube that one time, 
and he didn't get a bunch of sacks, and I'm just furious, and Gutekunst should be fired. I mean, come on, man. Again, it's okay to have opinions, but we got to realize there's a big difference between what I think and what Gutekunst thinks. And I'm not saying Gary's going to be good, so don't even try to bite back at me about that if the guy ends up busting out. I'm just saying, we don't know. And it's fine to have an opinion that says he's not very, or I'm, I'm skeptical. But again, measured response here. Let's just relax. I have a lot of concerns about Gary, and I went back and watched him, and I, there were a lot of things that I didn't see before that super jacked. And I'll, I'll, I'll spend a little bit of time just kind of going over a rough overview of what I saw watching Gary and Savage these, this, over the last few hours, which, again, is nothing in comparison to what, you know, the staff of the Green Bay Packers have seen, but just initial thoughts, and again, we'll, we'll get deeper later. But there were a lot of things that that he does. And to be compl- completely honest, the, the one thing I'll say before we just move on with the first round here, I'm actually a lot more comfortable with him as an outside linebacker. When I heard that they were going to put him at linebacker, it was like, you got to be, are you serious? So he needs to be inside. I, I don't know if I like him inside as much. But anyways, Miami Dolphins took Christian Wilkins. I didn't have that, but I did have them taking Cleveland Furl. So it was, it was relatively close, I guess. I don't hate the pick at all. I actually think it's really smart. I think the Dolphins, when you're in that bad of a, sh- of a shape, you just take the best player available, and I think you could make a very, very strong case that Christian Wilkins was the best available. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, the only thing I can say about that as much as, you know, <laughs> I can't brag about it because the last thing I said about Lindstrom is he's probably not going to get drafted in the first round because of what Tony Pauline said. But prior to that, I had been saying that Lindstrom is going to be going a lot higher than everybody thought. If I'd have just not said anything yesterday, I'd have been able to brag about it, but I can't. It is a surprising pick a little bit. They do need some help along the inside, but it, it I, I think that's one of those intelligent moves, right? I kind of look at the Falcons, and it's like, man, if you, if you get a couple weapons, you might have the chance to be right back on top, and it's sort of like the Falcons are pumping the brakes a little bit, and are like, no, nah, let's let's do this the right way. You know, we don't we don't want to allow an offensive line and, and, you know, the core of your team, the, the trenches, to, to erode and just keep adding talent right we got a wide receiver last year let's do it the right way and get a good guard here so it's i think it's a smart thing to do uh haskins to the redskins at 15 makes a ton of sense i uh i did have the redskins actually trading up with the packers to get Dwayne haskins and to be completely honest i i would be willing to bet that was one of the conversations again the packers had fielded a bunch of calls and they just didn't get the value that they liked i wouldn't be super surprised with miami sitting there if the washington redskins were one of them and who would they have taken it would have been Dwayne haskins so Kind of unfortunate that didn't unfold because that would have looked looked pretty good on me, but didn't happen. But either way, I did have, um, not as my prediction, but as what I would have done, that mock, I had him taking Haskins. And the other one I did not because I had Arizona, who had just drafted Kyler Murray, trading um, Rosen to the Redskins. But um, they're in a lot of trouble because <laughs> there's basically just one team who now has all the leverage, which is the Miami Dolphins. Um, for, for Josh Rosen, which I, I I had said a first-round value would have been a good valuation. But now that I'm the Miami Dolphins, I don't know that I even want to give you a second-round pick for him because why should I? Nobody else is going to give you a second-round pick for him. I shouldn't say nobody. Somebody might, but I feel like I have a lot more leverage here. So somebody's going to get a really good deal for, for Rosen, I think. Anyways, one of my big hits of the night, uh, Carolina Panthers took Brian Burns. Not only did I say he would fall, but I said I, I think Carolina Panthers might actually be a good spot for him. I predicted that Brian Burns would be going to the Carolina Panthers, and he did. The Giants then taking uh, Dexter Lawrence, I think, was a very, very weird pick. And I've been super high on Dexter Lawrence. I get it, right? Super crazy athlete, defensive tackle. But, I mean, you you need some wide receiver weapons. 
you need edge real bad. You could use linebackers. You could use safeties. I I, I just feel like defensive line. I mean, I, I don't know. You you did get rid of Snacks Harrison, so maybe that's a replacement for Snacks. And it's it's sort of a he's the top guy on our board, and uh, we we could use him, so we'll take him. So I I love the the uh, the love for Dexter there. Feels like vindication. But then again, nobody respects the Giants right now, so <laughs> maybe that makes me sound dumb. Uh, Vikings taking Garrett Bradbury was the most, you know, outside of the, the first and second picks in this mock. I feel like the Vikings getting Garrett Bradbury was the most surefire pick of the entire mock. Jeffrey Simmons to the Titans I did not necessarily think was going to happen. You had heard what I had said about my criteria. It's a team that's probably going to be in the playoffs. That would make the most sense, but, I, you know, I, I think the positive spin to this is that the Titans have a an entire team of decent players. Right, decent to good. They don't have a whole lot of bad players. As compared to just about any team in the NFL, I don't see a lot of just horrible players. But I don't know that there's anybody on that entire team that I can look at and say is a freak. Maybe one, Jarrell Casey. It's the first one that comes to mind. I, I mean, they, they don't have any edge rushers. I don't think their quarterback is elite. I don't think their wide receivers are elite. Maybe offensive line, and maybe I'm blanking on somebody. But the bottom line is this is an opportunity, even though it's you know a second defensive lineman, it's, it's an opportunity to really get an elite prospect, um, which I think this team just desperately needs. You, you just need somebody that's just a freak. And they, they just that's what they're missing is, is freaks. Right? Packers have holes, but they also have Kenny Clarks, and they have Mike Daniels, and they have Devontae Adams, and they have Aaron Rodgers. Right? They, got, they got those upper echelon players. Titans just don't really have that. Uh, Broncos getting Noah Fant at 20. I had thought TJ Hawkinson was an option for them earlier on. Obviously, I didn't mock this because I didn't expect them to be picking at 20, but that was an option. In fact, in my in my mock, I had, as, as far as the what would I do pick, it was the Denver Broncos taking TJ Hawkinson. So, again, I'll give myself half credit for that. After that is the trade-up for Darnell Savage. Now, different ways of looking at this. Number one, giving up two fourth-round picks does not make me happy, and it didn't make Brian Gutekunst happy. If you listen to him talking about it, obviously he was happy because he did it, but, you know, he, he said it hurt. He didn't want to have to give up that value, but they really, really, and again, they love Darnell Savage, and more important than what I think of him, which, by the way, I really like this guy, but more important is what is this telling us? In other words, I've been pretending to know what I'm talking about for a very long time, along with a bunch of other people, even very respected, very talented people. We're sort of playing pretend here. We're doing our best. But there's just certain things, even if we're very, very good at this, there, there's there's something to having an entire staff of people, including people who have been on the field, talking to coaches, watching in person these practices. Right Now we get an opportunity to find out what the real truth is. And the fact of the matter is we all thought Darnell Savage was a second-round guy. We all just learned Darnell Savage is by far the best safety in this class. That really is the best way to... Now, it could be incorrect. The Packers could be wrong about that, but that's what they're telling us. They're telling us that, no, it's not a bunch of, of safeties clumped together that are probably going to be available at 30 and 44. No, there's Darnell Savage, and then there's everybody else. And I'll tell you what, I... And I'm, I'm really trying not to sound biased, and I don't, I don't really think I am. I think that was a, a fair assessment looking at Rashawn Gary. You know, I, I have my own negative thoughts on it and whatnot. Um, I, I just, I'm going to defer to the Packers on that. But I, I really, really watching Darnell Savage. It was funny because um, I've been talking about Taylor Rapp. I think Darnell Savage, I had a similar reaction watching Darnell Savage as I did watching Taylor Rapp, but sort of just from the opposite standpoint. They're very diametrically opposed kinds of players. Another way to put that is when I watched Darnell Savage, 
I saw what everybody told me I was going to see when I watched Nasir Adderley, but I didn't. I was told Nasir is the is the man, and I watched him, and I just didn't see it. I didn't. There was nothing. Not saying he's bad. I I saw the athleticism. It just it didn't do anything for me. I saw it with Darnell Savage. That that speed is out of control. I am I am super excited. Now I I didn't see exactly the kind of tackling that I saw with Taylor Rapp. Not that he's scared to tackle. It just you know he just he just seems small. You don't see that punishing, you know, I mean, he, he flies up and he, he, you know, there's there's highlights of him running really fast and hitting guys and, and taking them out or whatever. But in general, it's just kind of, you know, he, he just kind of, I don't know, bear hugs him and, and wrestles him to the ground. It's, it's not a physically imposing kind of player, but that's that's not what he is, man. This guy is, <sighs> if, if you haven't seen him, just go watch him. Go watch his game against Ohio State. That was the first one. I think it's the first video on YouTube when you search... If you don't know, just type in Darnell Savage verse VS, and that'll pull up a whole bunch of videos. But you know, just just watch his game against Ohio State. There was there was a stretch there where he had like three plays in a row, and then a little bit later he had a really big play in the end zone. I mean, his his closing speed it's it's just incredible, and I actually really like him kind of in the box. Not even because he's really good like Taylor Rapp, whereas he's just kind of like that linebacker. He's not going to be a linebacker. He's not big enough. I don't want people getting their hands on him. But when you get him sort of close to the line of scrimmage, where he's kind of like borderline in the box, maybe not quite though. It's awesome because he has the speed where you think about playing against the Bears or a lot of teams nowadays where they keep everything at the line of scrimmage, right? These short little passes. But with his speed, his ability to close is unbelievable. But then the other benefit of it is when you think about linebackers, one of the hardest things to do is from a standing position when somebody's running full speed to turn and run with them. Because it's just I mean, they've, they're already running. They're already up to full speed. His ability to go from 0 to 60 is incredible. So he doesn't need to be all the way back there to be able to cover guys. He can, from a from a standstill position, he can turn his body and start running and already be at full speed about as fast as the guy that's running past him. So he doesn't really get beat deep. So you can have him roaming relatively close to the line of scrimmage where he's in coverage, but he's also close enough that if you're playing close to the line of scrimmage, he's going to close that gap like that. I mean, even on like third and short. If it's like third and third and five, you, you don't need to have him at the line of scrimmage ready to make a play. He can be 10 yards off because he's reading the quarterback, and as soon as he sees you turn and start to cock your arm back, he's already halfway there. He's closed five yards. By the time the ball gets there, he's going to take your guy's head off. I, 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 I'm optimistic, and I got a lot more excitement about Rashawn Gary after watching him. I got chills watching um, Darnell Savage. The, yes, there's concerns. I'm, I'm you know. Again, his size, uh, his tackling, you know, we'll, we'll see all these different things that he can do. But man, oh man, is this a, I mean, it's just, he's, he's a unique kind of, similar to Rashawn Gary. He's a unique kind of person. You just can see the production. Similar to, and I'm not making a player comparison, don't misunderstand, but similar to what I said last year about Derwin James. I said sometimes because I'm not a, a professional scout, there are certain people that are talented that are hard to evaluate because the, the things that they do are a little more nuanced. I think that's Rashawn Gary. You have to really read between the lines to see what he's doing that's impacting the play that isn't just a sack. I think with guys like Darnell Savage, you don't have to be a uh, you know a, a scout that's been 20 years in the business to see what he does good, what 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 it is that he does that really he excels at. It smacks you in the face on every play. I mean, just even when he's not making the play, just seeing him, seeing his speed and his ability to just fly, it it, it looks weird. And that's kind of true with Rashawn Gary, too, where it, it, his speed doesn't really fit his size. His ability to get up to speed and, and really close fast, it's like, whoa, that was, you don't expect that from a guy his size. 
but every time I see him run, it just, it freaks me out. Like, it doesn't look real. It looks like the video's being sped up, like in some of these highlight videos where they're sped up, except nobody else is going that fast. His speed is evident. There are, there are some guys where, you know, they run, you know, even some of the wide receivers the Packers have had, it's, it's exciting because it's like, oh, man, he's got like 4.39 speed or 4.42 speed. We've had it like 4.442 guys. But it's, it's, it's not super evident. You just know that they happen to have it. But it's, it's not as easy to see. That's the whole play speed thing. If, if, if Darnell Savage, I, you know, what, whatever his 40 time is, I think his play speed is faster. It's, I just I feel like I've never seen anything like that before. It's scary. It's, it's, it's scary in the best possible way, and I'm, I am beyond excited to have a guy like that that can help to cover sideline to sideline, which is something I've been wanting for a very long time. But beyond that, he's also a bit of a ball hawk. Um, a guy that's going to be, you know, getting picks. That's something else that we just have not had from our safeties very much. I mean, HaHa did do a decent job on occasion. I know it's a, a sin to talk positively about HaHa in Wisconsin nowadays, but I think he did a decent job of coverage. I think he did a decent job of getting a, a couple picks here and there. But even with HaHa, the one thing that always drove me nuts is if a perfectly placed ball was there, you know, we didn't have the safety that could get to that sideline in time, and now we do. And I'm, I'm, Man, am I excited about this guy. I wish we had those two fourth-round picks back, but I, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I just, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I want to see this guy play. But anyways, after that rant, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little break because we're about a half hour in. But uh, we'll finish out this first round. I, I, I kind of just talked about our guys already, so I don't know if I'm going to double back at all. But uh, we'll, we'll finish out round one, and we'll talk about round two, and then we'll wrap her up. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, let's continue on. Now, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles ended up taking Andre Dillard. Didn't really necessarily see it coming, but it, again, it's starting to, it has the feel of a team that recognizes that we got to kind of fortify things, right? They, they were that all-in team. We went all-in. We got a bunch of free agents. You can't sustain that forever. We're going to have to end up paying our quarterback, and we can't pay all these defensive guys forever. So it's it's sort of, we, we need to, while we still have talent and still can make a push for a Super Bowl, we need to start making intelligent decisions and, and figuring some of this stuff out and to, to to, you know, when, when you get to the point when you have to start saying goodbye to people, to have guys like Andre Dillard that are ready to step up and be a, a, a you know, a left tackle to defend your quarterback who's going to be your quarterback for another 10 years, you know, you, you're starting to build underneath all these things. So it's probably, a, you know, not a super exciting pick, but I think a really good pick. Titus Howard to the Texans, man. I mean, I don't know. Again, all that matters is if it's going to work. This team needed offensive line more than anything, and they went offensive line. Obviously, I predicted that. Everybody on the planet predicted that. Nobody thought Titus Howard. I think I had him at like 86th overall. I was listening to the Draft Network guys, and they were, they were, they both had him in the hundreds. So I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one, man. I, I, that's, I don't know. Uh, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I predicted they would take Josh Jacobs at 24. I got that one right as well. I don't think that was a super bold prediction, but um, I know that. I kind of got chastised a little bit that they wouldn't take Josh Jacobs, and if they did, it wouldn't be at 24. They would wait until their second pick or whatever the case. And my thought was, if they genuinely believe Josh Jacobs is going to be the next Alvin Kamara, you don't want to wait, right? You, you just you, you lock him up right now because after this, there's a severe drop-off. Not necessarily, in my opinion, I would be happy with David Montgomery. 
But um, if that is the belief, um, which I had thought that it was, then you got to take him at 24. That's exactly what the Raiders did. Chargers ended up taking Tillery. I had had, not in this mock, but in several mocks, defensive tackles going to the Chargers. However, I never really wanted Jerry Tillery. And in fact, when I did my big mock draft with Mark Jarvis, I had kind of taken Tillery off the board. Because again, we, we've got good pass rushers on the outside, but we, we kind of need what I had wanted, even though he's gone, would have been a Dexter Lawrence type. Jerry Tillery's a pass rusher, man. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to be upset with that. And if he can play the run as well as be a pass rusher, it's going to be a fantastic pick. But it just wasn't my exact thought. But either way, that's going to really help their their uh, defensive line with their two pass rushers in, in Bosa and uh, Ingram. Seattle goes LJ Collier. They they never, ever, ever cease to amaze me. It just, it absolutely blows my mind, man. They, they, they trade back, which is great, right? They traded back with the Packers. Are they... How did they do this? Yeah, they got they got pick 29 from the Chiefs. They got pick 30 from us for trading back. So at pick 29, they took LJ Collier, which, again, you know, I, I had thought that LJ, I had heard that he was moving up the board a little bit. I didn't think that meant first round. I, I knew it was a possibility, but, I mean, not it shouldn't have been the Seahawks, only because you do this every year, man. You keep taking people too early, and then it doesn't pan out, right? I, I just, I don't know. I mean, you, you you came into this without a lot of draft picks. You traded away a freakish defensive lineman to end up with two first-round picks, and by the end of this, you end up with L.J. Collier, and that's it, because you traded away pick 30. I mean, I it, it's cool you're, you're stacking up a bunch of picks, and you do have a bunch of needs now because you don't draft super good and all that, but that's that's painful, man. I mean, if, if I'm a Seahawks fan and I'm coming into the draft and we don't have a lot of draft capital and we just traded away one of our best players and we replace him with LJ Collier and nothing else, that that's not great. Uh, Giants took DeAndre Baker. I think it's pretty interesting, and I, I, I kind of like when stuff like this happens because I, I keep saying things like, I don't know if Greedy's going to go that early, and it's one of those things that everybody gets upset about, like, stop saying that, because Greedy's obviously going to go earlier. He's going to go in, like, the teens, and he's going to be the first one that goes, and it's like, I don't know, man. Now, I said I thought his e- his floor was possibly the Eagles, but the Eagles traded up to get Dillard. So in that situation, what is his new floor? Well, apparently it's outside of the first round. So, And I, I had also heard that DeAndre Baker, a lot of people liked him. I did not think he would be the first one to go, but it was one of those things where a lot of people said he was the best corner, then he had a bad combine, so it was like, well, now he's going to be in the second round. And then he just slowly kept rising back up as it became clearer and clearer that people just didn't care because on it's one of those film things, right? Don't care what he ran. His film is best corner in this draft. And the Giants liked it enough that they wanted to move up to get him. And I think that's smart. You know, they, they replaced Snacks Harrison. They replaced Eli Apple. That's that's one way to look at it, I guess. Eli was a couple of years ago, but still. So they, they have a new, they, three picks, man. They, they got a new quarterback. They've got uh, Dexter Lawrence in the middle to replace Snacks, and they've got their, uh, their supposed lockdown number one corner, which every team needs to have. Whether or not it pans out, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a super amount, big amount of faith just because Giants fans are having complete meltdowns. But again, if Daniel Jones starts and Dexter Lawrence can be a good run stopper and a decent pass rusher and DeAndre Baker's a good starting corner, this was a fantastic draft. Um, Falcons take Caleb McGarry. I had the, uh, I actually had Seattle taking Caleb McGarry, so I wasn't too far off. I thought that was a little bit of a reach, but uh, he ends up going in the first round, so I'll give myself one quarter credit for that because 
you know, half credit for being close, but then half of that credit because the only reason I had him go that early is because I figured Seattle specifically would like him. So I'll give myself half of half credit because my reasoning was off. And then finally, the uh, the New England Patriots took Nikhil Harry. I was close on that one too. And I, I honestly, I'm kind of upset with myself because I had them taking, well, I had him taking Dexter Lawrence in my prediction, but he was gone. But in my what would I do prediction, I had him taking Hakeem Butler but the only reason I did that is because I like Hakeem Butler, and it was a what-would-I-do mock. Um, obviously, if I had just said, take who I think is the best player available that makes sense, and I don't want a slot guy, it probably would have been Nikhil, even though he can play in the slot. Um, I think he can handle outside just as well, whereas AJ probably can't. So that would have been probably the... the if I had combined the what-would-I-do slash, um, you know who do I think is the best player available as opposed to what would I specifically do based on who do I like, I probably would have got this one. But anyways, I do think it's a good fit for the Patriots, a good pick for the Patriots to get Nikhil Harry. They need a wide receiving weapon. Uh, they've been they've been getting by with just whatever they can find, and now they're actually getting a first-round wide receiver, which is, is really going to end up helping them a lot. So anyways, uh, not not terrible. It didn't go the way anybody thought, but um, you know, look, look here, here's the other way to look at this. Our defense last year showed flashes of greatness. And and what I keep coming back to is the fact that Pettin was able to scheme toward the beginning of the year the most sacks of any team in the NFL with no outside linebackers whatsoever. And I don't say that to be mean. I just it's just a reality. They weren't getting it done. Clay Matthews had a couple of sacks that got taken away because of ridiculous penalties that shouldn't exist. But you know the fact of the matter is, he was able to do things that he shouldn't have been able to. This team was bare bones. It just it wasn't good enough. You know the corners had potential, but they were just starting to learn the system. Thank thank goodness for Jair able to just kind of hit the ground running and doing a great job. But when you've got you know Kevin King's getting hurt and you've got. Uh, you know, Jackson is is just trying to learn the ropes, and, and he's being used everywhere. I mean, he got used as a linebacker. He got used as a uh, as a slot guy. He got put on the outside. I mean, it's, it's just a lot to ask. And then you got Kenny Clark, who ends up getting hurt. And then you got Mike Daniels, who ends up getting hurt. And you've got uh, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, who got hurt. And you've got a linebacker that didn't pan out. And you got Tremont Williams, who's going back to safety because you don't have any safeties. And even when you don't have any safeties, the safeties are getting hurt, and you don't have any to begin with. And Ha Ha Clinton Dix gets traded away, and and you've got another corner that got traded away, and it just it it was a it was a mess. And at this particular point in time, we have, and it's so fun to look at this. Uh, PFF has this updated now. We have a defense with Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Adrian Amos, and they have Tremont Williams still at safety because they put Savage in as the slot uh, or the dime linebacker. I don't know if that would be the alignment, but still, just looking at this team then with Martinez. Smith, Gary, Clark, and Smith. It's just it's 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 exciting, man. This is this has the potential to be a very good football team. I mean, this is more green than I've ever seen on a Packers defense, maybe ever. And that's with Mike Daniels not. I'm going to switch this to base because I bet there's even more in base, with the exception of Burks. We do need another linebacker. But now the way they have this, they have Gary and Smith, which I'm assuming this is. Oh, they put Preston. I think it'd be Zadarius, but whatever. Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith on the outside, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and Dean Lowry on the inside, which, again, we can substitute this. Instead of Lowry, you could have Gary, you could have Zadarius. And then we got Jair Alexander and a healthy Kevin King on the outside, hopefully. You got Adrian Amos, and they still have Williams at safety. I don't think it will be. Again, I think there's a good chance Williams... 
I think we're going to get another safety, and I kind of hope we do. And, and you need to brace yourself because it could be in the second round. I'm not predicting that, but there's a lot of good safeties. I think we still need safeties. The value might just line up that that's the best player available ends up being another safety. Because let's not forget, we, we very typically will use three safeties. You know, in, in our, our nickel or dime, whatever you want to call it, is essentially our base. And in our base, you have three safeties. You have your nickel linebacker, you have your two safeties. Now, and it entirely depends, it entirely depends on what you think of Josh Jones, but I got the distinct impression that Mike Pettin was not a fan based on the fact that he couldn't win the job over Kentrell Bryce. He didn't get put on the field. And that, listen, I'm not trying to be, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just saying this is the distinct impression I'm getting because the whole year I'm just saying, why is he not playing? I'm not saying it based on what I think. I'm just saying this is the impression I got because it wasn't until everybody started getting injured that it seemed like they reluctantly put him on the field. And let me tell you, let me just tell you right now, if we draft, <laughs> if we draft Taylor Rapp, I don't think very many people are going to be excited. I'm going to start crying like a little girl. I'm going to be so excited to have to have the two safeties that that literally gave me chills, but from complete opposite sides of the spectrum, whereas Taylor Rapp is the most sure tackling guy. I'm talking about of anybody. I'm not talking about safeties. I'm talking corners, linebackers, anybody. This guy never missed a tackle. It's ridiculous what he can do, and I think he's a good safety. You know, as I had mentioned, I think it was yesterday, he plays a lot faster than his 40 time. So he's, he's a good safety that can be used semi-rotationally and situationally, but also in the nickel, I mean, all of a sudden you got a guy like Taylor Rapp who's taking on these these safeties and everything. And I, listen, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not trying to make a prediction. I'm just saying. I'm saying we could end up getting another safety because we might need another safety. Because, I don't, I, you know, Adrian Amos could be the dime guy, but you'd like him to be able to play deep because he's a very talented free safety. Um, Savage, I think, can play in the dime, although I don't really like that. PFF has him there. I don't think he belongs there. I think I'd put Amos there before that. But then it becomes a question of, okay, we want Amos to play back, and we want Savage to play back. Who do we want to play nickel? And right now it's, it's Josh Jones, but how good do we feel about that as opposed to maybe we get somebody else? Now, we could look at a Juan Thornhill or something who's just like a very, very good, well-rounded guy, and we could just end up having three really well-rounded, awesome safeties, or we could look elsewhere. I guess this is a good transition into, you know, <laughs> what we could do today. So let's talk about it. If we're looking at run-stop percentage, in other words, we're, we're basically just taking a straight-up linebacker, um, Malik Gant out of Marshall is the top dog, and it is a massive drop-off from there. But Juan Thornhill is number two on that list. Other guys, Andrew Wingard, Tyree Kinnell, Jaquan Johnson. I think of that list, the only guy that's going to be a possibility at 44 or wherever we end up picking in the second round is going to be Juan Thornhill. So that's interesting. As far as tackling grade, again, we're up close. Taylor Rapp is number one, and by a massive margin. To give you an idea, Juan Thornhill is fourth, so again, a pretty good option. His tackling efficiency, according to PFF, was 14.403. Jaquan Johnson was a little higher at 17.6. Zedrick Woods, 19.5. Take a guess what Taylor Rapp was. So 14, 17, 19. Taylor Rapp is 55. You go through this list, just starting down here, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 9, 9, 9, 9, 11, 14, 17, 19, 55. <laughs> Taylor Rapp is a freak. Um, if you look at pass rush ability, again, Juan Thornhill is up at the top. I'm starting to think this would be a good option here. And it, it might just be one of those things where Juan Thornhill is a very good line or safety, and you don't really want to take a safety, but if he's available at 44, similar to Josh Jackson, it's kind of like, nah, we got a safety, we're good. But if he falls, it's like, how do we not take him right now? You know, let's just assume, you know, Irv Smith, A.J. Brown, um, 
you know, Hakeem Butler, a lot of these guys that we like, let's say they're gone. Are we not going to take Juan Thornhill and just double down and just get a bunch of freak safeties? And I think Jonathan Abram's gone. I'm sorry. No, never mind. He's he's definitely gone. But pass rush, he would be there. Um, and Juan Thornhill's number two as far as pass rush. So again, you get him close to the line of scrimmage, his run stop percentage, and you know, again, a lot of that has to do with how often you were close to the line of scrimmage, meaning Juan Thornhill probably was closer to the line of scrimmage more often. But that's what we're looking for anyways, right? But then you look at coverage and you say, well, okay, well, can the guy coverage cause he's cover because he still has to do that? Well, yeah, he can. Now, he was ninth on this list, which isn't great, but he still had an 87 grade overall, which is really, really high. Oh, and by the way, his relative athletic score is through the roof. Highest relative athletic score of any... I mean, listen, just based on what I've told you, forget what you think. You think the Packers are going to pass on this guy? A guy that plays really, really good football close to the line of scrimmage, which is what we don't really have right now. Amos can, but they probably want him to stay back. Um, Darnell Savage kind of can, but that's not his strong suit. Who's going to be that number three guy that's going to be on the field? Right now, it's Josh Jackson. Do you think they're going to pass up on Juan Thornhill? Do you think Mike Pettin, who clearly doesn't like Josh Jackson, wants to pass on Juan Thornhill, given the fact that he has got a relative athletic score of 9.78 is really good in coverage, is really good against the run, is one of the best pass-rushing safeties, Is the has the number one run-stop percentage of anybody, and is a really solid tackler. I don't know, man. That's a risky proposition. I'm going through the list. Cornerbacks. I don't, I don't think anybody really wants that to be the pick. As, as we, you know, we need offensive line. We could really use a wide receiver. There's a lot of stuff that where it's kind of like, okay, we got the defense, let's switch to offense. But again... Greedy Williams falls. Greedy Williams is that long um, press man coverage guy. I know I've said Byron Murphy's probably better, but I think Byron Murphy is sort of a um, Josh Jackson type where it's like he's a good football player, but how well does he fit? Well, Mr. Uh, Greedy Williams fits. So again, it becomes that situation where do I want Greedy? Not really. But if he's there, do we really think we're going to pass on him? So Juan Thornhill, if he's there, I, I got some alarm bells going off. If Greedy Williams is there, alarm bells are going off. Linebackers, I don't know. I've got my list here and, and and my grades, but I've said linebacker is the one that doesn't really line up very well. I've got Jermaine Pratt at the top, but just watching him play, right, he's a spreadsheet guy top to bottom. Tackling efficiency is through the roof. His run-stop percentage, I think he was number one in run-stop percentage, number one in tackling efficiency. He has a very, very good pass rush grade. I think he has the number one run, uh, you know, run grade or number two or something like that. It was an elite grade. And a decent coverage grade, not super great, but also relative athletic scores through the roof. So spreadsheet-wise, he's awesome. But I think you watch him play, and it's just kind of, eh, maybe third, fourth round would be a little better. But there's also guys like Ben Burkirvan. Maybe. I think linebacker's a massive need. I just don't know who I like here. Now, Mac Wilson is is a, he's not super high on my list at all, but I, I know that he is a guy. Let, let, let me just leave it at that. If Mac Wilson is there, that's kind of one of those I wonder. If we're just going to go through this and say, you know, give me one player or whatever, Mac Wilson's going to be that guy. I'm pretty sure he didn't get drafted. Edge rusher, I got to be honest, man, I'm over it. <laughs> I just, listen, I, I, a lot of people are big on, like, maybe we get Chase Winovich now. I mean, I would have been okay with it, but at this point, it's just enough is enough. I'm not saying we couldn't use another one, but I'm kind of saying we can't, we, we I just, it's too much, man. The biggest problem I have, though, is that there's still a lot of talent. You know, I think Chase Winovich is very talented, and I would be willing to bet the Packers like him. You know, Ben Benogu, Jalen Ferguson, 
there are some guys that I think if they're available at 44, you got to wonder. So I am going to be interested. If Chase Winovich is there, I'm going to wonder if they're going to take him. And I'm not going to be mad if they take him, but I'm just going to be worried about these other positions. But that's going to be, you know, as far as alarm bells go, Jalen Ferguson. J- I can't, what is my problem? I did that the other day too. Jalen Ferguson. I just can't stop. Jalen Ferguson. See, and you know what's going to happen? I'm going to make it so that I feel like in my mind I'm prepared for this, and we're going to draft Joe Jackson, and I'm just going to throw my hands up and be like, you know what? I said we shouldn't do edge, but I would be fine. But I didn't expect Joe Jackson to go here. But anyways, uh, Bonogu, O'Shane Zimenez might be another one. I'm trying to think of who are some of the guys. I don't know, like, the latest information, but I know at some point or another these guys have been really high. Uh, Winovich, Ferguson, Zimenez. There's there's options, man. I, I I don't know. That's that's that whole thing again, where it's it's like okay, let's not do more. But that's kind of where the talent's at. Defensive tackle, I'm in the, I'm in the same boat. You know, I'm just I'm kind of over it. But you know, you gotta wonder about guys like uh, you know Draymond, Greg Gaines. I've been super high on. A lot of people are talking up Tristan Hill. I've seen several things about Tristan. Uh, P.J. Johnson out of Michigan. I don't know if too many people have mentioned him, but he's high up on my list as far as my spreadsheet is concerned. <laughs> oh, as long as it's not Gerald Willis, man. At this point, even if we got Gerald Willis in the seventh round, I'm going to be mad. Cause I, just, just, I, just, I want so badly for anyone else to draft him so I don't have to worry. And I, I hate that it's like this. At this point, it's just become like a fun little game. I, 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 you know, I'm sure if we draft him, I'll go back and watch him and I'll see plenty of good stuff. But this whole thing with Gerald Willis just started because I had heard that he was like a first, late first-round guy. And I watched him and it was like, I have no idea what anyone's talking about. I see nothing awesome here. So, anyways, we'll probably end up drafting him, and I'll have to just swallow my tongue whole. Uh, as far as offensive linemen, Jawan Taylor's still available. That's pretty crazy. If Jawan Taylor's still there, you got to wonder if that's going to be a thing. Um, Dalton Reisner, another option. So, I mean, there's a lot of options. I think one of the big ones, Cody Ford, I'm kind of stunned that he fell. Not super sure about other guys that are interior, which makes me think he's going to go quick because... I mean, I'm looking at the names. I don't really know a lot of guards here that are seen as high-end prospects. I mean, I like Dieter. That's cool and all, but like we talked about before, he's pretty much just a power run stuff and type guy. He's not going to be someone the Packers want. Um, two other guys, maybe, that are, I, I believe, centers, but interior guys, Eric McCoy and Elchin Jenkins, those guys are, are definitely options for the Packers at 44. Again, a lot of options. And I think Zach Allen should be considered as well. As much as I said, you know, I don't really want any more edge rushers, I think the fact is Zach Allen fits the prototype more than, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like they're, they're trying to tell us, right? I, I was saying before free agency, it seems like the Packers are moving toward a specific model. It almost seems like they're heading toward a 4-3 defense the way they keep drafting these 4-3 defensive end types. Then we go out in free agency, and instead of getting the outside linebackers that are available, like D. Ford, or Justin Houston, we go out and get these defensive end types, and then still we go into the draft looking for 3-4 outside linebackers, and we get 4-3 defensive end Rashawn Gary. Now we go into the second rounds, everyone's like, how about Chase Winovich? It's like, how about Zach Allen? I don't know. I'm not saying we would never get, you know, a more prototypical 3-4 type of guy. I mean, we, we have those guys on our roster now. I don't know, I just think it's funny that even my mind, it always goes to like, oh, pass rusher, let's look for the 3-4 outside linebacker guys, even though Everybody we've picked up recently has been 4-3 defensive ends. As far as running backs, I would just assume we're not going to touch it because, in my mind, you know, there's going to be a clump in the third round. Ah, see? We don't have fourth round picks anymore. That's the that's the money round. 
I will say, though, and you, you've heard me mention this if you've listened for a while, David Montgomery is my guy, and I haven't really watched. It. There could be a guy similar to Savage that I just haven't put the time in that I absolutely love. So I don't want to sound like a homer if we end up taking a guy like, you know, I don't know, Rodney Anderson, and I haven't really put the time in, and it turns out I really like him. But from what I've seen, and I've watched Daryl Henderson, um, I think Miles Sanders, Justice Hill, I'm trying to go through the list here, Miles Gaskin, of all those guys with David Montgomery, David Montgomery to me stands alone. I'm fine with, with any of those guys in the later rounds as contributors, but if we're looking for a guy to be a lead back, like potentially if if uh, you know if we're worried about injuries, if we're worried about having a guy that's going to step in and be the guy, I really like David Montgomery. Do I want to take a running back? No, I don't want to take a running back. But also, as I had said, and I was uh, talking to somebody on Twitter just recently, you know, I, part of this whole process is find as many players as I can and find positives, so that when we make a pick that I would normally would normally not want to make, I'll be happy about it. You know, if we get Chauncey Gardner Johnson, cool, man. That's just cool. <laughs> Otherwise, and I, I don't know, maybe I missed something, but um, there's tight ends. And I, I know third round could be pretty solid. But again, without that fourth round, you got to kind of kind of wonder, you know, that there might be a little bit of a sense of urgency to, to get this stuff taken care of or possibly trading back. And I think I'm going to end on that because this has been going on for a long time. Real quick here, how far would we have to move back to get another fourth round pick? We wouldn't have to move back. I mean, if we moved back with Cleveland to 49 we could get a fourth round pick out of it so just throwing that out there and if you think about how cool that is we didn't you know the, the fourth round pick we got from haha right so if we if we because it seems drastic like dude we really want a fourth round pick but we can recoup our other fourth round pick by just moving back a little bit now maybe minnesota would be a little you know but we're talking about 50 in the in that range right 49 to 50 a fair deal would be about a fourth their fourth round pick now, obviously, you need to have a trade partner. Again, like I always say, it's not a supermarket. You can't just pull out your credit card and say, okay, I'll be taking your picks, and, you know, I want your fourth round. You can move up and take this. you got to have willing partners. But if there's a lot of people, and I listed off several that I think could be good contributors, and you really want to get a fourth round pick back, that is an option. So, anyways, i got to wrap this up because it's time. i, I got to start getting prepared for the live stream. It's already 5 o'clock. Um, so, anyways, uh, enjoy your day. And be sure to head over to uh, Packernet Podcast Facebook group to check out the live stream. Otherwise, you know, tomorrow, who knows? We'll be – who knows what we're going to talk about. We'll be talking about the picks either way. But, uh, I don't know, get fired up, man. Draft day. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.